Our reading this morning is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, and we read verses 1 to 23, Matthew 13 on page 978 of the Church Bibles. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord.
Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you open our ears to hear you and you alone? Would you have your way amongst us this morning? Would you break through the barriers we place in front of you that prevent us receiving all your goodness? And Father, would in a few people's circumstances, would you calm the storm that's raging over their life and bring peace? with a word of authority from you. Thank you that you speak to us. You are at work, you are active in your world by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. It's um, great to see you here this morning. Um, I'm just going to plough on, actually. Sorry for the pun, given that we're looking at the parable of the summer, but there we go. I wonder what are some of the big questions you face if you consider yourself to be a Christian. I think one of the most challenging questions that I wrestle with is this. If Jesus is really who he said he was and who he is, if Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, if in the season we've just celebrated through Jesus' death, his resurrection, and which we'll see his ascension, and also um, through Pentecost, the release of God's Spirit into this world, if we have this amazing good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, why isn't our church full today? If this isn't the greatest news in the history of mankind, why is there so much brokenness in the world? Why is there war and the tragedy that seems to define our culture? Why is it still raging? Why, when I pick up a newspaper, do I see that we seem to celebrate the very brokenness at the heart of the world? Why are marriages... Christian marriages, significantly broken. Why is the suffering, the brokenness of this world no different in the church than it is in the world when you look at lots of the statistics in the church? Why is that? Why is it with the good news that we have, with the greatness of who Jesus was and who he said he is, why is it there's so much that still seems wrong? And why is it that the truth of who Jesus is isn't more obvious to the person you sit next to at work, the person you deal with maybe at home who doesn't consider themselves a follower of Jesus? I remember asking this question to a panel of theologians um, a few years ago and said, if this is that good news, why can't people see it today? Why is it? Why is it that we can't see, so many people can't see? A few years ago, um, I don't know whether you were aware, but in the American election that was run in 2012, 
Uh, there's an American statistician, uh, a young American statistician. He made his, his name by um, analyzing baseball, but he subsequently did it by looking at the American elections. Someone called Nate Silver. And in the 2012 American election, he predicted correctly all 50 of the outcomes of the state elections in 2012. He's the only person to do that. And he wrote a book subsequently about that experience. And he said this, he said, he called the book The Noise and the Signal. And basically his premise was this, is too many of us spend too much of our time listening to noise and not enough of us look towards the signal. The signal being the truth. The signal being the things that matter. And the things that have eternal consequence. We live in an incredibly noisy world, an incredibly noisy time in our society. We're bombarded by information. But in terms of the truth of God and hearing God... Are you listening to the noise this morning? Or are you hearing God? Are you hearing the signal? Are you consumed by the noise? Or are you hearing the signal? A friend of mine who's a vicar was here at my licensing um, a couple of months ago when we were here. And I was chatting to them a couple of months ago. And one of the things they said is, St. Swithin's is a very noisy church. I said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, physically, it's very noisy. I said, look around. Who do you hear? Do we hear the voice of God, or are we hearing all the voices of all the other people? Have we come to cherish the voice of God? Do we cherish his voice to us each day as we spend time with him? Do we cherish his word? Do we cherish what he's saying to us? Are we cherishing the voice of God in your life? Or are we not? Don't know what the answer to that is. You can tell me whether you think that's a fair reflection or not. But I've picked this passage because for many reasons, but one of which is it answers some of those questions today. Matthew 13 is a chapter about the nature of the kingdom of God that Christ came to bring. Jesus tells us that the kingdom is here, yet men and women will still reject it. The kingdom is not always obvious. And in seven different parables here in Matthew 13, Jesus tells us that we have to search for the kingdom. We have to put energy into it. We have to put energy to receive the kingdom. But not everybody will receive it. You'll have noticed that, 13, that uh, sorry, 19 times in Matthew 13, the word hear or listen is mentioned. So, for, for example, in Matthew 39, whoever has ears, let him hear. Jesus is talking about the way God's kingdom comes amongst men and amongst women. And he's saying that it all has to do with hearing and receiving. To listen to God's word, to hear God's word, means we're open to it, that we have a good heart towards it, and we listen to what God has to say with an intention to put what he says into practice 
It's not abstract. It's not theoretical. It's not theological. It's practical. But for that to happen, we must choose to listen. Remember, Jesus frequently challenged his followers and his listeners. And there's a subtle difference. Many of you who may be involved in counselling or other such things will know there's a subtle difference between hearing and listening. Anybody who's been married will be able to tell the difference or lives in with relationships. But there's a subtle difference between hearing and listening. How many times have someone said, have you really been listening? Clearly, I'm not talking about your marriage or your relationships and your family, although there are a few knowing looks uh, from people that... Sorry, Joe, I'm over here, so I'll pretend I can't hear him. (laughs) But hearing implies attentiveness. It implies concentration. It implies an ability to be open to receive what it is that's being communicated. And then a willingness to do something about it. I don't know about you, but it's just as true maybe of me as it may be of you, is that we sometimes really struggle when we hear or we read God's truth or we go to a sermon or we hear people speak. Because how many times have I listened to a sermon or listened to someone speak and said, you know, if only Joe was here to hear this, or my brother or my sister or my neighbour or my children or my friend, you know, they really need to hear the message today, not me. It's the message for them, you know. Actually, that's what is really important. Or we sit there and we spend our time just critiquing the word, critiquing what God may be saying to us, rather than saying, what is it God is saying to me? And what about if that word is the word that God is trying to say to me to transform my life today? What if that word is for me today, that God wants to speak to me, that that is a word of life to me today? He wants to bring change into my life. You know, if you know a little bit about Matthew, it's the preceding chapter in Matthew 12. Is People are very divided at this time about who they think Jesus is. And people, lots of people have lots of different opinions. Some people are very committed to him. They think he's someone worth following, his disciples. Some are caring towards him. Some, like John's disciples, are curious about who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus? But some, like the religious leaders, are also very critical to hear. There are hordes of different people as we come to this passage that Jesus told. People coming to hear Jesus. Some are honest seekers of truth. Some are defiantly want to reject Christ. Others respond, but some, it's superficial. They're going to leave Jesus when the going gets tough. And in this parable, that really is a parable of the four soils, we find that Jesus is teaching that people will reject him. And they will reject him for his message, not because the message is right or because it's wrong, but because of the state of the soil. The truth is the truth. Jesus is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah prophesied about in the Hebrew prophets. The problem here is not the sower. The problem is not with the seed. The problem is found in the soil which the seed is sown in. And the issue therefore rests with the listening. 
And before we look at those four soils, I just briefly want to note a few things we can look at by thinking about the seed and the sower. There are so many factors involved in God's word being received properly. It's like seed that's sown. There need to be the right conditions, the right water, the right sun, the right soil, the right environment. You can do everything correctly and not see the results that you want to see. And it's not because the truth is not the truth or you're not being faithful. It's just the ground is a path. Therefore, we need to be careful not to just try and follow formulas that think that that's the way we do things. It's, it, when we sow seed, we sow it with faith, with faith, sorry, where there aren't guarantees. We pray, but we know that there's no guarantee that if we pray, we'll get the breakthrough we long for. We give not knowing that the guarantee of what, the way we give our money will end up having the impact that we hope for. We share our faith with our friends, with our neighbours, with our work colleagues and all those others, not knowing whether that will be received by them, that they'll end up being saved. We invite people to church, but there's no guarantee that they're coming to church. They'll meet with the risen Lord Jesus and their life will be changed. So we have to have faith. Fortunately for you and me, while God chooses to use each one of us and does choose to use each one of us, It doesn't all rest on us. It rests on the Spirit of God being at work in God's world, working in our lives and others' lives. We're called to faith. One of the things we often do is we sow the seed of the kingdom. You get so discouraged because we don't see the immediate impact. But we need to be patient. There is a process in sowing and reaping. Your child or your grandchild or the person you live next to, the person, your friends, your neighbours, may not look today as if anything is going on inside them. But maybe next week, next year, next decade, maybe then the seeds you've sown will start to bear fruit. Your spouse may still come round. Because actually it's the Spirit of God that is at work in their life revealing Jesus to them. And we need to be patient. This isn't a, uh, a particularly, this is a particularly challenging passage for me as someone who used to live in the world of accountancy where we like to work in straight lines, we like to plant in nice nice rows, and we like to see results that follow what you do. But the farmer, and you need to register this quite clearly, is tossing seed everywhere. It's landing everywhere. It's landing on the hard ground, on the shallow ground, on the thorny ground, and in the good ground. Back in the first century, that's the way farmers sowed. They didn't have seeds that planted individual seeds like we do now in individual fields. They carried a bag on their shoulder, and they literally sprayed seed everywhere. And when you read about this sower, and you think to yourself, isn't that a bit wasteful, just doing that, going everywhere? This is precisely the point of this passage. God is an extravagant and abundant God in a kingdom that's bounteous in all its ways. You might this morning think that sower is wasteful, but actually it's generous. 
we have a generous sower, a generous God who's sowing seeds in yours and my life, irrespective of the soil that he's sowing it in. God's rule, God's reign, God's kingdom is extravagant. There's a word I wonder whether in your mind when you think about God, whether you ever have the word in the mind that God is generous when you kneel before him. Do you kneel before God ever and think God is generous to you? Do you kneel before God and think, I'm approaching a generous God who is open-handed in his love for me? And that's the God who sends us into the world to be his followers, a generous people reflecting a generous God. In all honesty, there are many times in my life, I've been a Christian a long time, and there are many times in my life where I reflect, thinking actually often I've had quite a closed hand to people, in many ways like a poverty mentality that actually becomes a curse on blessing others. If you have a closed hand towards other people, you restrict what you can give to people. Well, you say, well, I have to be terribly sure that I get exactly the right outcome. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sow seeds for God, actually, that doesn't produce anything. Listen, there's only one way to produce a vibrant St. Swithin's Church or a vibrant parish or to see lots of people come to Christ that I hope is your heart's desire or to see our ministries flourish and grow. It's actually sowing generously. We are called to sow seed generously. At times, if I'm honest, and I've had to repent, at times I've pretty much sowed with a pipette. It's like being my mentality. Like a little pipette, I'll sow a little seed here. But if you sow very, in a very small way, you certainly won't reap in a big way either. See, we never know what God is doing in the secrets of somebody's heart, but we are called to sow generously and allow God to use all he has to see that seed come to life. may not be now, maybe next week, maybe a few years. But let me briefly just look at the four types of hearers in this, look at the four soils. First to the soil that is hard ground, the hardened hearer, as I'll call it. First century Palestinian fields were crisscrossed by paths, and the paths ran alongside the fields, but also across the field that became down, much like today, paths that became downtrodden by people's feet, by travellers' feet. And they became like a pavement in which nothing could grow. And actually the birds then clearly came up and ate the seed and feasted on it. And I think it, what Jesus is talking about in trying to bring a modern application to this is people who are around the church, but they are totally unresponsive to the truth of God's word making a difference to their life. They don't listen with any intention of hearing or doing anything about it or being affected by what they hear. Maybe that sin, maybe that their hearts have never actually been ploughed up by repentance or honest reflection about who they are and what they're about. If there's a problem, it's always somebody else's fault. Always somebody else's wrongdoing. It's never their own. I think all the excuses that we make about we don't ever consider the truth about Jesus. Well, you know, I hear so often, I don't know what you hear when people say, I don't want to come to church, say, well, there's so many hypocrites in the church. 
The church is full of hypocrites. Do you ever hear that when you talk to people? Well, one of the things my standard response to that is when people say that. You say, well, of course the church is full of hypocrites. It's full of people. It's people like me and people like you. People who like to give one impression of the way their life is and then the reality of how their life is. And there's a gap. Maybe you think you're holier than that. Because there's only one person in all of history who was not a hypocrite, who wasn't two-faced, who wasn't a gap between their public life and their private life. And that was Jesus Christ. Where there are no hidden agendas, where there's no false motives, no desire to promote themselves or promote others. It's actually Jesus. But I would also say something else. It's that one of the works of God and the works of the Spirit in our lives is to allow God to change us from those people where the gap between our, our private life and our public life is closed, is closing. That we're not afraid to say this is who we are. We're not afraid to show our frailties or our vulnerabilities because God is at work by Spirit transforming us. I hope you can say that today more than the first time you came to Christ. I hope you can say that today my behaviour is more consistent than it was two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, however many years ago. Because God is at work doing a work of transformation in our lives. And then there's the rocky place, the superficial hero, as I'll call it. Palestine, there were so many places where the limestone rock was just an inch or two uh, beneath the topsoil. And there's a thin layer of topsoil, and the plant grows up quickly, looks good, but then it quickly dies. It looks healthier because it's grown up quicker. And I don't know about you, the, the times when, you know, people go through periods where they seem to be on fire for God, God seems to be at work amazingly, but then hardship comes, pain comes, toil comes, things don't go the way in life you want them to go. And it's like, did that mean anything? And I think of the shallow soil. I think of how the kingdom has maybe not entered our lives in a full way, body, soul, mind, and spirit, in all those different ways. But real trials do come to each one of us at different times. And the question, the encouragement is, is where are you running to with that? Are you running towards God or away from God? For Christians, we can always run into the loving arms of a father, saying, I've entrusted myself to God. I don't understand why I'm going through this fully, but I am, God is, I am his and he is mine. And I can put myself there too. And then there's the thorny ground, the natural hearer. I simply note, friends, one of the things I'd just quickly say about this is that weeds are natural to the soil, but, but the, the seed that's sown actually uh, needs to be cultivated specifically. The grass seed, the corn seed, requires cultivation. And part of what Jesus is getting at here is simply says there are many things that we naturally might like to do that actually that mean that we take us away from God. They crush and they squash our life with God. We're naturally quite selfish. We naturally want to fill our life with the things we want, we do. But to see the fruit of God's work in our lives, 
we actually need to cultivate our own hearts towards God. Our lives will become consumed with anxiety, with fear, with anger, with lust. And actually we need to allow the work of God in our lives, the cultivating work of God, to dig that out so that we become good, healthy soil. It takes discipline, it takes self-restraint to allow God to get at work into our lives. It takes intentional walking with God and for God to see his kingdom come in our lives. It doesn't just happen naturally. Holiness, godliness doesn't just happen naturally by sitting there. It requires work. It requires discipline. It requires putting our backs to it. That's why we, it, Jesus calls us to being born from above. The kingdom of God, we're born from above. We have to make space for God in our lives. Otherwise, the weeds in our life will choke out God's life in us. And then finally, Jesus talks about the good soil, the good hearer. The good soil is the good hearer. It's the person who hears God's word and presses forward to wrestle with it, to take hold of what he's saying to me, to think about it, to perceive it, and then put it into practice. The good hearer is the person who takes what God says, is saying to them, and allows it to transform their life and puts it into practice. That is what the good soil, the good hearer is. So why don't we have more impact in the world today? Jesus answered and said, the problem is not with me, Jesus. It's not with the truth of the message with me, about me. The problem is not necessarily with you and I. We're the messengers. But, but trying faithfully to believe in God. The answer is the message is falling on hearts that are in various states of unresponsiveness to God. Yours and my task this morning as followers of Jesus is to sow, to proclaim, and to give, and to serve, and to love, and to help generously and extravagantly, and leave the results to the Spirit of God. Your job, my job, is to sow and to make sure that we have a good heart by receiving and responding to God's Word. Your job when you hear truth, when you're around God's Word, is to receive it and to respond to it with your whole heart. My question, my challenge to you then today is this. Is your heart this morning hard or cluttered? Or is it clean and open and fertile? Jesus asked me that. He asked you that this morning. Is your heart hard or cluttered? Or is it clean and open and fertile? Let's pray. One of the great things in the parables is that Jesus often leaves the end of the parables open for us to complete a response of some, some form. That am I receptive to God's seeds being scattered in my life today? Are you prepared to receive the word God is 
bringing to you this morning the seed of something, of truth, of what he's calling you to be or calling you to do or to put into practice today? And will you do something about it today or tomorrow? What is it that's in my life that needs digging out? Father, we pray that you would send your spirit, heavenly sower, into every particle of soil in my life today, my life and your life today. Soften it, cleanse it, fertilize it, deepen it, break up the clods, pull out the weeds, that may meal for you not a meager harvest, but fruit in abundance for you and your kingdom. Amen.